Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin Lahul hamdul hasan Wassanaul jameel Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah Wahdahu la sharika lah Yaqulul haqqa wa huwa yahdi sabil Wa ashadu anna sayyidina wa nabiyyana Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa attabi'ina lahum bihsanin Ila yawmiddin amma ba'd Today inshallah ta'ala We're going to speak about tarikhul fiqh The history of fiqh We're going to speak about the history of what? We're going to be speaking about the history of fiqh. Last week we talked about al-khilaf, right? Disputes and differences, right? Now we're going to be speaking about... We're going to be speaking about, inshallah ta'ala, the tarikh of al-fiqh. The history of fiqh and the development and the formation of fiqh. Um, so, and we're going to break it into stages. The first stage is going to be Asrut Tashri'ah. Is going to be what? Asrut Tashri'ah. Asrut Tashri'ah means the time in where the legislation was happening. This is from the time when Nabiullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was sent out until he died sallallahu alayhi wa That's the first stage of fiqh. This is the first, first stage of fiqh. And at that time, the fiqh was based upon the Qur'an and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Qur'an, at this stage, it was built upon the legislation was coming down. And this was it. The sunnah was sunnah qawliyah. and Qawliya means the Prophet's speech. Fi'liya means his action. And the Prophet's consent. That was the legislation. That was the legis- that, that was the sh- tashri'ah. Nabi Muhammad was alive. This was the fiqh. The understanding was taken from the Quran, and the understanding was also taken from where? It was also taken from the. It was also taken from the Sunnah. And when we say from the Sunnah, we mean the speech of the Prophet and the actions of the Prophet and the consent. All of them were legislations. And they were the hukum. Anybody who had a dispute at the time of the Prophet, they would refer back to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the dispute and the argumentation would what? It was settled. Then came the second stage. Then came 
الطور الفقهي الأول. The second stage came, which was called الطور الفقهي الأول. This was from the period of um, the Asr al-Khulafa al-Rashidun until the 40th year of Islamic Hijriyah. That was the second stage. It was the time of Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali until the fourth, fortieth year of Islamic uh, Hijriyah. Then came the third stage, Al Marhalatu Tharitha, the third stage, which was, you can all write this yourselves, Asru Sigar Sahaba. So this is called Atawrul Fiqhi Thani. This one says Atawrul Fiqhi Al Awal, right? Just change it into Atawrul Fiqhi Al Thani. Okay, this is second stage after the Prophet. But it's the third stage including the Prophet's time. This was from the beginning of what? From the see from the young who? From the young? From the young Sahaba. And and the and the senior Tabi'in. Until the beginning of the second century. So from the time of so this time is this stage is gonna be three. It's uh power. Athani, this is Asru Sigar Al Sahaba until what? And the Kibar Tabi'in and the Kibar Tabi'in until what time? Until the Al Karnu Awail Al Karnu. The beginning of the first century, the uh, second century, sorry, the early beginning of the second century. This is the. Then came the, the fourth level, the fourth marhala. And the fourth marhala is. Al-Tawr, uh, Al-Fiqhi. Uh, this was the Asru Asru Tabi'in Wal A'imma A'imma Tul Mujtahideen from so this was the time of the who this is where the poet said إذا قيل من في العلم سبعة أبحر روايتهم ليست عن العلم خارجة 
فقلهم عبيد الله عروة قاسم سعيد أبو بكر سليمان خارجا فقهاء السبعة this is where they came from do you know the seven فقهاء of مدينة seven the seven jurists of مدينة and the أئمة المجتهدين this is when they started we'll speak about this inshallah ta'ala بإذن الله الكريم until what من مطلعي القرن القرن الثاني until what حتى منتصف حتى منتصف القرن الرابع so basically this stage is the عصر التابعين and the ayimah المجتهدين meaning the فقهاء السبعة from that time which is the beginning of the second century remember until when منتصف القرن الرابع halfway in the fourth century halfway into the fourth century that's the fourth one the fifth one is عصر التدوين what started عصر التدوين the writing now started authorship started and the writing started here something happened that wasn't present in this or this alhamdulillah all this time the, these are the are, you, are, are we all together this is the fourth level right am I making sense brothers brothers are we, are we all together the fourth, cent- the fourth levels that I just mentioned people were taking the Quran and the Sunnah knowledge was still strong when the fifth started At-Taqlidu wal-Jumud blind following started this was called Asr tadween authorship started now all of these people's statements all of these people's views all of their quotes now are placed in books it was rewritten so the fifth stage started which was what? It's going to be Dawruh uh, Which one? Al-Rabi' right? This was Asru Asru Tadweel uh, Books are being written out Here an issue started which is blind following Stubbornness on opinions Hard-headedness It started It started Still wasn't very Very strong like that But it what? It started The sixth and the final one Was الخامس. Are we all together? The fifth الخامس. And this was When the Baghdad dropped in the Sukut al-Baghdad when Baghdad got taken until today when the, khila- the issue of the Umawi and the Abbasi and everything happened this period of time until today is the sixth one inshallah ta'ala does everybody understand that? and the sixth one is At-Tawr al-Fiqiyu al-Khamis right the sixth one inshallah ta'ala it's At-Tawr al-Fiqiyu al-Khamis. Here it says At-Tawr al-Fiqiyu al-Khamis, right? Uh, Rabi'ah. Here is Khamis. 
When does this start? This started from Suqut al-Baghdad till today. If you read books of fiqh, this is how they historically divide fiqh into, into those levels. The fiqh at the beginning was what, brothers? The fiqh at the beginning was Zaman al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This was the best of times. Allah Muhammad Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the majority of the fiqh, brothers, where did it really come out? Mecca or Medina? Medina. The fiqh was more stronger in Medina. The hukum and the jurisprudent rulings are more in Medina than it was in Mecca. After the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's time and the time of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, the fiqh didn't go up, it went down. Meaning the knowledge of the religion got divided amongst the people. It wasn't restricted to a number of people, but it was more spread out into other people's minds. Whereas at the time of the Sahabas, there may be one person or two people or three people, individuals who could be said that these were the fuqaha, the jurists. Today many people, if they look at fiqh, they look at fiqh as a what? Shakshakatul aqwal. The person mentions many different views. The scholar said this, and this one said this one, and this is the view of fulan, and this is the view of fulan, and they think that's fiqh. Fiqh really is not shakshakatul aqwal. Spitting out difference of opinions and who said it. Fiqh is tarjih. Because remember the time of the Prophet where there were opinions. And was it the most knowledgeable time? Was it the most knowledgeable time? Yes, it was. Are we all together? The time of the companions, were there more views or less views? The views became more when? After. Are we all together, brothers? So it doesn't show the fact that you've comprehended and learnt all of the views and you memorized them, that you're a faqih. All you've done is you're just a... You have information. But it's to be able to choose from within those views which one is right in a correct method. So this time was the time of the messenger sallallahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The messenger placed principles. Where did he place? Principles. The way that the Prophet placed principles alayhi was which we're still talking about the first. We're talking about the first time. Okay, we're going back to the first. This time, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave the Qur'an and he gave the sunnah. And the legislations were taken from there. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when he died, he left behind principles. Qawa'id, as the poet said, مَنْ اِهْتَدَى بِهَدِّهِ فَقَدْ ضَفِرْ وَمَنْ يَحِدْ عَنْ نَهْجِهِ فَقَدْ خَسِرْ تُلْفِي بِهِ إِلَى الْفَلَاحِ مَخْرَجًا وَعَنْ جَمِيعِ الْمُعْضِلَاتِ مَخْرَجًا فليس خير قط إلا قرر ولم يكن من شر إلا حذر فديننا لم يخلو عن حكم على مر الزمان لو بدأ مع ضله. meaning even though the Nabi Muhammad gave them the Quran and the Sunnah, he gave them قواعد principles that they could use even after he dies. that they could bring back things to. أيوه مي فديننا لم يخلو عن حكم على our religion has never left a ruling on a particular matter. Everything, anything that will bring us closer to Allah and anything that will distance us from the hellfire, our religion has told us a way to achieve it. Are you with me? 
But how did it do it? Did it specifically mention it? Not necessarily. It doesn't have to. It gave you qawa'id, principles. Principles that you use. Like in these principles, not everybody knows them. Every mu'dilat, every contemporary issue that happens, the Quran and the Sunnah have principles in it. So this is what happened. When the Prophet died, Sahabas came. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Abu Bakr's time, he had to fight with the the murtadeen, the apostate, and those who left. So Abu Bakr was more focused on that. So at his time, Abu Bakr didn't shine and come out with his siqh, ilmi, with his knowledge, and he's the most knowledgeable of the companions amongst them all. He was Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But at his short time, Abu Bakr was the leader. He was focused on what? Those who refused to pay the zakat. So he was, he was busy with administrating that particular conflict. Are you with me, brothers? But you tend to find more fiqh from the time of Umar radiallahu anhu. Umar was speaking more on ahkam fiqhiyya that was brought to him. And qada and issues like that, radiallahu ta'ala, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Here, a new form of reference started that wasn't present at the time of the Prophet, which was what? At the time of the Prophet it was only Quran and here there was applying a concept called Al-Ijma'ah. Ijma'ah didn't exist at the time of the Messenger, alayhi salatu Because the Prophet is there, there's no need for consensus. But after the Prophet died, the Sahabas were using consensus because they found it in where? They found it in the Quran and the Prophet's statement. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ma'ummah, do not unite upon misguidance. And the Quran mentioned the concept of consensus. Are you with me, brothers? So he has started the consensus. Sahabas would agree on a concept. Are you with me, brothers? If you look at Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, you find something very powerful which was the concept and the shi'ar, the banner of following the kitab and the sunnah was so strong at the time of Abu Bakr and the Khulafa al-Rashidin. Look at Abu Bakr for example. When they said to him, take Usama ibn Zayd and take him off the army. Usama was only what? 16 or 17. Are you with me brothers? 16, 17. This is a big army. Some people have refused to pay the zakat, Abu Bakr. Are you with me brothers? Right now, do you think it's sensible? Do you think it's right for 16? Abu Bakr came out with one of the fundamental principles of fiqh, which was shi'aru tiba'ah. He said, the Prophet did it. Nabiullah Muhammad placed this individual, Abu Usama, and made him the leader of the army. I cannot come and take him down. Who am I to take him down? Are you with me, brothers? And Abu Bakr placed a principle which is the masalih and the mafasid are set by Allah and His Messenger. Are you with me, brothers? The benefits and the good is set by who? These were fiqh incidents, incidents that the Sahabas were very clear in. Does that make sense, brothers? You tend to read, see that. Well, I advise each and every one of you to read the kitab I'lam al by Ibn Qayyim. Which kitab? I'lam, I'lam al This book 
Shaykh Abdulaziz Nubazi said it's the book of Islam. And it really is, wallahi, it's a book full of all of this I'm saying to you. The overwhelming, nearly all of the and more, you'll find it in the alam of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. How the history was, how it all happened, where did it all come from? Usul al-fiqh and how it came. Each principle that you see that is being used, what brought it about, the foundations of the madahibs, all of that is in its book, in its kitab alam. Ibn al-Qayyim's alam al-Waqi'in rahimahullah ta'ala. So this time was shi'ar al-tiba'ah. It was the era and the timing of following the Sunnah, following the Quran, and also making sure that no one goes against the consensus of the of the Ummah. At this moment, everything was just memorized. Everyone was memorizing the state statements and the quotes. Nothing was written. And then what happened? Some of the scholars they suggested that some things get written. Especially at the time of Uthman Writing became more pre- 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 prevalent, prevalent, prevalent Writing became more prevalent It became more clear ولذلك, um, Abu Bakr عنه, He did command people to write at these times May not be as much as Uthman's time But look what he said to Muhammad ibn Amr ibn Hazm He said to him Look at ما كان من حديث رسول الله Look at the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. who write it. فَإِنِّي خِفْتُ Abu Bakr is saying this. I am scared. دُرُوسَ الْعِلْمِ That knowledge may go. وَذِهَابَ الْعُلَمَاءِ And the scholars might pass away. So write things down. This is who? Abu Bakr ta'ala. Abu Bakr ta'ala. But again, as I said, it wasn't, it wasn't as clear as it was the time of Uthman and then even after that. Here what happened was The Khulafa al-Rashidin They passed away And This era started Which is Sigharu sahaba They were the young companions um, In age but, great and, but senior in what? But senior in knowledge They came I advise you I advise you again To read with the Ilam al is a risala written by Ibn Abdul Barr. It's called the risala is called Fuqaha al Amsar. Risala, something Fuqaha al Amsar. Huh? What's it called? Uh, to be honest, I was I was I was meant to bring it today, like in Allah did not create it. Subhanahu wa Taala, I was meant to bring it. This kitab is called something Fuqaha al Amsar, the jurist of the world. He mentions. Every tabaqa, every level, who were the fuqaha, from the companions of the fuqaha, the tabi'een, the tabi'u tabi'een, until the madhahibs came. And within the madhabs, the students of the imams of the madhabs, are you with me, brothers? That kitab and the kitab by Ibn Qayyim is very good for you to read. His one's very small, Ibn Abdul Bar. You can read it between Dhuhr and Asr. Like in Ibn Qayyim's one's volumes. What is it? That's volumes. Okay? Am I making sense here, brothers? So that you can go back to the names of the ta- 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 Sahabas that I'm referring to here and the Tabi'een. The Tabi'een here, who also dragged into this time, are seven. 
I want you to all research. I, I mentioned the line of poetry. These are who? These are the fuqaha'is sab'ah, the seven jurists. All of the companions' knowledge, it got united in these seven men. Okay, in Medina. Are you with me, brothers? And they were called the seven jurists. Fuqaha'is sab'ah. Are you with me, brothers? The knowledge of those fuqaha'is sab'ah, it went into... Again, you guys have to find those names and do your research. Those seven... Their knowledge it went into the, uh, the hearts and the minds of the four A'immatul Arba'ah that we have today. Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, and Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal went into them. Are you with me, brothers? Because who did Imam, uh, for example, Malik take from? Imam Malik took from who? The scholars and the fuqaha of where? Medina. He did, right? He did. He took from the fuqaha in Medina. And who took from Al Malik? Shafi'i took from him. And Shafi'i, who took from him? Ahmad ibn Hanbal. So all of them would go back to where? The fuqaha of Medina. Then came the Asrul Fiqh. Thalith, which is the Sahaba's time until the Aymatul Mushtahideen. Aymatul Mushtahideen here are who? The four Aymatul Madhab, Shafi'i, and etc. And then came the fourth century, which is after these Imams, Asr Tadween started. What started? The fourth stage, which is now all of that knowledge which is out there, writing it. Documenting it, putting it inside books. Okay, this time the authorship was broken into three types. Write this down. The authorship was in three types. The authorship was Tadweenul Fiqh, Tadweenul Fiqh. Fiqh was written. But it was mixed with the Prophet's Sunnah. It was mixed with what? The Sunnah of the who? So it wasn't pure fiqh. It was like the fiqh and the athar. Meaning the quotes of this, the Prophet and the companions and all of them. And the fiqh was side by side in the one book. Okay? And these are the books of the Sunnah, right? Huh? Kutub Sunnah. The third one was, second one was. So for example, don't think to yourself you're not going to gain fiqh from Bukhari. Are we, are we all together, brothers? Are you going to gain fiqh from Sahih Bukhari? Ha, la shakka wa la you will. Sah? Are you going to gain uh, fiqh from the Muwatta uh, al-Imam Malik? Sahih, you will. La shakka you will. Are you going to gain fiqh from the Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba? La shakka you will. But it's not a big book. You're not going to say it's a fiqh book. Are you with me, brothers? It has fiqh in there, but it's mixed up with what? It's mixed with hadiths. It's mixed with athar and sunnah. The second type is al-fiqh mujarradan. 
Just fiqh now. Just pure fiqh. No hadith and no athar. And that's how the books that we see today, like Mukhtasar al-Quduri and, uh, and the kitab Mukhtasar al-Khiraqi, which was the first Hanbali book written. And if you look at Minhaj of Imam al-Nawi, it's a whole book you're reading, but there's no hadith or ayah in there. The Imam is just giving you... What's he giving you? He's just giving you the summary and bullet points. The explanations are going to give you the evidence for each point. Are you with me, brothers? This was what? Tadweenul fiqhi mujarradan. The fiqh was written, stripped from hadith, stripped from the athar. Number three, Tadweenul fiqh ma'adillatihi. The fiqh was written, but the evidence were also mentioned with it. This one is what you would call al khilafiyat, or you, now they call it al fiqh al muqaran. What's it called? Comparative fiqh. Comparative? Comparative fiqh. Where basically, these views, evidences are brought, and these views, evidence are brought, and they're cross-checked, and then which one is stronger? Like you see, for example, in Khilafiyat of Imam al-Bayhaqi, like you see in Al-Mughni by Ibn Qudama, rahimahullahu ta'ala. Are you with me, brothers? He's bringing the fiqh and he's bringing the evidence for it. That started. Like in the first one was, Hadith and fiqh were running besides one another. Then, they said, no, 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 no. we need fiqh only in this book. That was the second. And the third one was what? And the third stage was? Huh? The fiqh with its evidences. At this stage, what happened was, Asr al-Tadween, At-Taqlid, blind following. What happened? Blind following. And al-jumud, stubbornness, started to occur. This is in the Asr uh, al The fourth, fourth level. Asr al-Tadween, al-Taqlid wal-jumud, it started. Until what? Muntasaf al-Qarn al-Rabi'ah. Until the fourth, the middle of the fourth century. Meaning until Sukuti Baghdad, until Baghdad dropped, the blind following and the stubbornness started to come. People were very hard on their opinions. People started to give more importance, a lot of importance to the views of the fuqaha. They started to give importance to the mutun. And we'll speak about that inshallah ta'ala. Every madhab, each one we're going to speak about. And Imam Abu Hanifa and the books regarding him. We're going to speak about who? And Imam Imam Malik and the books regarding his madhab. And they're going to do the same for Shafi'i and Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala. We'll speak about each one inshallah ta'ala. But this time, al-ta'asub, al-taqlid, which was not present before that. So people started to have stubbornness. Until the view started to happen, which is people wouldn't marry each other off. So a Shafi'i would not marry his daughter to a Hanafi and a Hanafi would not marry his daughter to a, a Shafi'i. All based upon what? Ara fiqiyya. To some extent it reached it reached takfir. What did it reach? Takfir. And even extremism. Ghulu. 
like the poet said in al hidayah taqal qur'ani qad nasakhat ma alafu qablaha min ma alafu qablaha min shay'in min kutubi fahfad qawa'idaha wasluk masalikaha taslam maqaluka min zayghin wa min kadibi he's trying to praise the kitab al hidayah by marghinani and he said the kitab al marghinani al hidayah is like the qur'an it abrogated all the books in all the other fiqh books he said, فَحْفَظْ قَوَاعِدَهَا Memorize the principles that are in it. وَسْلُكْ مَسَالِكَهَا Take its path. تَسْلَمْ مَقَالُكَ مِنْ زَيْقٍ وَمِنْ كَذِبٍ You'll be saved from any mistakes and any lying. Meaning your fiqh will be precise. This is a Hanafi book. It's not the Qur'an. He's trying to say that this kitab is correct, verbatim, word for word. Nothing's wrong. And if you go against Al-Hidayah, you'll be misguided. Are you with me, brothers? And things like that you tend to see. تَعَصُّبْ مَذْهَبِ People are very people would, were dying and they were on their deathbeds and they would say I'm a Shafi'i and I'm going to be a Shafi'i as long as I live and I'm advising every one of them to every one of you to be Shafi'i they were writing in their wasaya they were writing this in their what? in their wasaya it reached that point but it's still till today you still see that I remember some messages in the UK. Forget villages down in Somalia, yeah. UK. I was. I'll do a khutbah in a masjid. From the minute they see me, they're like, "We're Hanafi." The Hanafis. And then once you, they tell you at the big, as soon as you come in, they'll tell you we're Hanafi. They say, "Okay, no problem." When you sit to do the khutbah to do the pulpit. The, before the, the Mu'addin does the Adhan He tells you Hanafi okay Just make sure Like whatever you do Wallahi salaha So everything You have to do it according to what? The Hanafi way The two madhabs that really went against each other Specifically were the Shafi'iyah and the Hanafiyyah Because to be honest The Shafi'iyah and the Hanafiyyah were the two madhabs that were really the qubat They were the judges What were they? They were the qubat, the judges Like generally nobody else was a qadi except what? No one was a qadi except who? Qadi was only either a shafi'i Or a Or he was a hanafi I listened to a lecture by Sheikh Abdul Salam Shwayr. He was good in fiqh, mashallah. Very grounded in fiqh. And he was talking about why the Hanabila were not. You guys know Sheikh Abdul Salam Shwayr? Who knows him? Put your hand up. Ah. He mentioned why the Hanabila were not Qubat. Why they didn't end up being Qubat. And he brought the kalam of Ibn Aqil. Rahimahullah ta'ala And he said that the reason was because The Hanabila Whenever they attain knowledge They turn towards Akhirah They became Ubad worshippers They didn't like Manasib Positions Remember the Qadi Qubat The Qadi Qubat It's a It's a uh, It's a Mansib Dawli It's a governmental position It can imprison you he can exile you from the land. He has authority. It's not just a mufti in a local masjid. Are you with me, brothers? Qadi Qubat is a big, it's a, it's a high-leveled, ranked position. It's a governmental position. Are you with me, brothers? 
When you're hearing Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah got arrested and he went behind bars and he got and the Qadi Qudat were arresting him. They were behind it. They passed a fatwa that say he's arrested. Like you think, brothers? Am I making sense here? So the Qadi Qudat is a position. It's a position of authority. Strong position of authority. And so the majority of them was the Hanafi and the Shafi'iyah. Well, that's why you find the Qutub and the Khilafiyyat, majority of it is directed more towards the Hanafi and the Shafi'i. Well, um, uh, Abu Ma'ali al-Jawaini's father, the author of Al-Waraqat. You guys know Al-Waraqat? You know Abu Ma'ali al-Jawaini, right? His father, Abu Muhammad al-Jawaini, Abu Muhammad, Abu Muhammad al-Jawaini, you have to remember one thing. Are you with me, brothers? He is, he's from the Ashabul Wujuh in the Shafi'i Madhab. Like the father is more stronger than Abi Ma'ali al-Jawaini. Abi Ma'ali al-Jawaini is not as powerful as his father. His father is a man who has a, his, his, his ikhtiarat, his opinions, it has a position within the Madhab Shafi'i. Are you with me, brothers? They're called Ashabul Wujuh. His father is from Ashabul Wujuh. We'll speak about that when we come to the Madhab of Imam Shafi'i. So Abu Muhammad al-Juwayni has a kitab which he wrote against the disputes against the Shafi'iyah and the what? The Hanafiyah and where they differ and who's right and who's wrong. And after that, the Shafi'iyah still couldn't recover from the... because the, 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 the back and forth arguments were too much. They were what? They were too much until Abu Mudaffar al-Sam'ani who? Abu Mudaffar Abu Mudaffar al-Sam'ani came who was 30 years a Hanafi and I think 20 years or something like that he was a Shafi'i so he repented from being a Hanafi and he became a what? he became a so what did he do? Because he was a He was the inside man He knew everything inside And what the construction was The building and everything he learned So when he came He had one of the best refutations Of the Hanafi's madhab uh, His kitab Qawatul Adillah Are you with me brothers? In Baghdad At a time it reached gold His book For the Shafi'iyah Are you with me brothers? Ala kulli hal this period and this time was ta'assub and jumud, stubbornness and hard-headedness. Then the Khilafah of Baghdad, Ahmad Baghdad dropped until the 10th century. The fiqh carried on that way, the way that we mentioned. But this time, some scholars came out. Who came out? Some scholars came out. From them, some scholars who tried to Walk away from this taqlid and this jumud. Okay, brothers. And they work towards ijtihad. And they argue there is ijtihad. Just one as, as a side benefit. As a side benefit. From the kitab At-Tahadduth ibn Amatillahi by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti. Jalaluddin al-Suyuti's time, he, he claimed that he was a mujtahid mutlaq. Suyuti said, I am a mujtahid mutlaq. Okay? So everybody listen. I'm a mujtahid mutlaq. And the people, they got angry because at that time, remember, blind following was, was set. No one was allowed to go out of it. Al-Jumud, what ta'asub is still present today. 
So Yulti said, everyone, I am mujtahid mutlaq. Leave me alone. Then they said, we want to debate with you. And he said, how can a mujtahid mutlaq debate with a muqallid? It doesn't work. A muqallid has to only follow what he's told him. Because the muqallid is like a what? Mayyitin inda mughassilin. It's like a dead body in front of the one that's washing it. His hand is picked up and everything. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's dead. So only person who can debate with me is a a mujtahid like me. And the people who are judging have to be what? Mujtahideen. If they say, okay, we bring a mujtahid that's going to debate you and a mujtahid that's going to be a judge, then the debate won't even happen because they agree there's a... They agree that the mujtahid mutlaq does exist. Are you with me, brothers? But the point is that this point... When Baghdad dropped, there came some scholars who worked towards ijtihad. From them being Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah. Ibn Taymiyyah, who died the year 728. Ibn Taymiyyah came, and his student Ibn al-Qayyim came. They were mujtahideen. But we have to understand that they, of course, they studied the madhab of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and they mastered the madhab and they learned it very well. And then after that, they walked away from it. When I say walk away from it, I meant the blind following. But they did take the madhab if it was correct in the opinions that it was correct in. Also, Imam al-Nawi came. Imam al-Nawi is not a Shafi'i in all of his books. He goes against the madhab. He refuses issues in the madhab. And we'll speak about how do we reconcile between what Dawi says in his Sharah of Sahih Muslim and what he says in his other books of the Madhab. How do we reconcile between it? We'll speak about that. Ibn Hajar came, rahimahullah ta'ala. Um, Al-Kamal ibn Humam. Many people don't mention him. Many people don't mention him. They don't mention him. But he's a Hanafi. And truly, he's the author of the Kitab Fatul Al-Qadir. He has ijtihadat within the Hanafi Madhab. He goes against the madhab sometimes In great issues So even that though this era Was still taqlid Was prevalent And it was out there But there came out A number of great scholars And the last stage That we mentioned um, From the stages was um, The stage that was سُقُوطِ بَغْدَادِ إِلَى الْعَصْرِ الْحَدِيثِ To our time So we mentioned all the levels, right? We spoke about all the levels Inshallah ta'ala next week We'll talk about the conditions of being a faqih And we're also going to speak about The issue of following a madhab Next week we're going to speak about كَيْفَ تَكُونُ فَقِيهًا How can you become a faqih? And we're also going to speak about the concept of At-Tamadhub We're going to speak about what? The concept of At-Tamadhub Anyone have any questions?